Maybe. Let me tell you a little bit about the guy who wrote this psalm, King David. King David, to me, was one of the original Renaissance men about 2,000 years before the Renaissance ever took place. David was a poet, he was a musician, he was a warrior, he was a king, he was a scholar. He was, in the words of the Bible, a man after God's own heart. And I think at the same time we realize, even though he was a man after God's own heart, he was a man of great weakness as well. I seriously doubt that anybody here today who calls themselves a Christ follower cannot identify with David. After all, we do desire to be men and women after God's own heart, but we also know what it means to fall, to have weakness. And like David, we also know and experience God's amazing grace, God's amazing love, God's amazing forgiveness, God's amazing strength in our daily lives. But I want to suggest to you that one of the greatest things that David ever witnessed, one of the greatest things that David ever accomplished was as the job he held as a teenager. It was the job that most influenced his life. Anybody remember what David's job was as a teenager? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. And as a result, at some point in his life, he sat down, didn't take pen to paper, but, you know, whatever he wrote with, he wrote a personal creed. He wrote a statement of faith. He wrote a purpose for his life. Now, we really don't know when David wrote this. It could have been while he was living in exile, hiding from King Saul. It might have been while he was out on the battlefield. It might have been during the time of rebellion, the rebellion of his son Absalom against him. It could have been during the season of repentance after he committed that great sin with Bathsheba. Maybe he wrote it during a time of great victory. He might have written it during a time of defeat. But whenever he wrote it, it has become one of the most well-known and often repeated passages in all of the Bible. And as you've seen in the video already, you probably guessed which one it is. It is Psalm 23, or as we most often call it, the 23rd Psalm. Most of you know about as much of it as the people on the video. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, Psalm 23, if you study it uh, purely from a language way, you, you find it's a literary masterpiece. But the words of this psalm are more than just great poetry. They are words to live by. Now, in the original Hebrew that it was written, it's only 55 words long. In the versions that we have today, it's about 120 words. It's a very simple psalm that anybody can learn. And for the next six weeks, we're going to take a look at Psalm 1, and we're going to try to absorb the wisdom of this text into our daily life. And we, I'm talking about you and me, we are going to memorize it. One verse a week. Now, I want to begin by reading it out loud together, and I printed it for you. I'm not sure it's on the screen, but it'll be in your worship folder on page 6. I printed it out in the language that most of you know it in. You know, the language God spoke, King James Version, huh? But I wrote it out for you in the words of the King James Version. I want us to read this out loud together. Join with me. It's the middle of page 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now today we're only going to look at verse 1. And verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now when David says the Lord is my shepherd, he is saying that you and I are his sheep. And this metaphor is found all the way through the Bible. Uh, some of them, for example, Psalm 48 says, the, Lord, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Isaiah chapter 40 says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm, carry them in his bosom, shall gently lead those who are with young. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on in that same chapter and says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now, the first thing I want you to know today is this, that it may be a beautiful analogy to know that the Lord is our shepherd, but I got to tell you, it's a not a particularly flattering metaphor. Now, I could be real blunt and tell you, sheep are just plain dumb. Most people would tell you, you've never seen a trained sheep in a circus. Sheep are completely helpless. Sheep are completely defenseless. They are unable to take care of themselves. I mean, you can find packs of wild dogs that take care of themselves. Some ranchers, Tommy, I'm sure you have them. Jimmy, you probably, you probably got a half a dozen or cat, a half a dozen or so cats who run around outside in the barns. They take care of themselves completely. But when was the last time you heard about a predatory flock of wild sheep roaming the countryside? I mean, they are dependent. So when we say, the Lord's my shepherd, what we are saying is, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm dependent. Now, we don't much like to say, the Lord's my shepherd, and I'm a helpless little lamb. See, what we'd really like to say is, the Lord's my general, and I'm his warrior. The Lord's my coach, and I'm his all-star quarterback. Or, the Lord is my co-pilot. That puts me in charge. I man the controls. And, and God, he's a good helper if I need some. I think that's kind of the picture that we kind of like to paint. But David paints a totally different picture. Helpless, hopeless, dependent. And see, the nature of that relationship is that sheep don't have to keep up with the shepherd. Sheep don't have to look for the shepherd. It's always the other way around. The shepherd is always looking after the sheep. The shepherd is always caring for the sheep. In fact, Ezekiel 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. But friends, what I, I want you to know today is that God is looking after you even when you're wandering around totally oblivious to his presence. Even when you don't have the presence of mind to come seeking after him, he's seeking after you. Now, you heard the story that Nancy read to you 
before in our gospel reading from Luke. Jesus tells a story about that kind of shepherd. He said, suppose one of you has got a hundred sheep and you lose one. You know, doesn't he leave the 99 and go after that lost sheep till he finds it? And when he finds it, guess what? He joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He calls his friends together and they say, rejoice, I found the lost sheep. Now, let's go back into the days when that scripture was written. Back in the days of Luke, back in the days of, of David. In those days, many flocks belonged to the entire village and not just to individuals. And they generally had more than one shepherd, several shepherds who would take this flock, and every morning they would lead the village's flock out into the fields to graze. And at the end of the day, all of these shepherds would guide all of these sheep back into the village sheep pen, sometimes with the news that there was still one shepherd out there looking for a lost sheep. When that happened, the whole village stood at the edge of the town from the direction the other sheep and the shepherds had come from, and they stood there and they watched and they waited. And when they saw that shepherd coming back, and he had that little dopey sheep around his shoulders, or maybe poking it with a stick to get him to walk ahead, they would celebrate that night because one of their sheep had been found and returned to the flock. That's why Jesus said, guess what, there's as much rejoicing in heaven, when? Over one sinner, one person who's lost, one lost sheep is lost, it's more celebrating in heaven than, you know, for the 99 who don't need to repent. I mean, that's the kind of tender affection that God has for you and for me. He watches over us, he takes care of us, he seeks after us, and I know, I've said that to people before, God watches you, God take care. And some people look at you and they go, he's watching out for me. I don't see it. I don't feel it. Where, where's, where is this God who is watching after me? Have you ever said that? I have. You know what? That, that's just like a sheep to say something dumb like that. You know, especially a wandering sheep. I mean, out in the wild, in danger of attack, hungry and afraid, cold and disappointed, sitting there thinking, oh man, look at the mess I'm in. Where is that so-called shepherd now? I want you to know, friend, if you have ever wandered off, if you've ever made a mistake, if you're alone or you feel like somehow you've lost your way, guess what? The shepherd's still looking for you. He's calling your name. Now, it's kind of funny. Sometimes we always say, I found the Lord. No, you didn't. You weren't even looking for him. And by the way, was he lost? He was right there. He's been after you. He's like the hound of heaven. He's the big shepherd. You know, in that sheep-shepherd relationship, it's the shepherd that's always in control, not some dumb sheep. I mean, the shepherd takes the lead. The shepherd takes responsibility for the safety of the flock. And because of this, sheep do not need to worry about the day-to-day -day stresses of life. Now, I had this weird thought this last week. What if you could actually sit down and have a chat with a sheep. You would never hear that sheep say something like this. Oh man, I'm worried about the future. I mean, it's true that we had enough to eat today, but boy, there's no promise it'll be there tomorrow. I mean, there's only so much grass in this world. It's bound to run out sooner or later. And I don't know how long we can count on that still water either. I mean, we need to get organized. We need to do some long range planning here. I hear there's a pasture here nearby grazed by a flock that's only about half our size. I think we could take them. 
You know, we, don't, we need to look out for ourselves. You know, sheep don't say this. First of all, they're too stupid. Sheep don't say this because they know they are under control of the shepherd. They know the shepherd will give them what they need. That's why David was able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, when I was a kid, how many of you thought this? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You thought, well, that's kind of funny. You just said, he's my shepherd, but I don't want him. No, the Lord is my shepherd, I have, I have no wants. I mean, he's taking care of it. That's what it really means. I hope you understand that. He's talking about contentment, and it doesn't come naturally. Our human tendency is to be in want, to look for the next best thing. Uh, you know, that's why we got, you know, on our cell phones, we got 3G and 4G and 5G and, you know, golly G and gee whiz. I'm not sure where they're all going anymore. We've got little itty bitty phones. We got big phones. We got iPads. We got, you know, we got computers. We, we always want the next big thing. Uh, we are currently, or we are almost always dissatisfied with our current state, even when the current state is pretty good. We seek after that perfect something that we somehow think will make us content, but when we get it, it's still full of holes and full of flaws. I mean, that's why Solomon said, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. I don't remember who the guy was, one of the richest men in the world. They asked him one time, how much money is enough? And he said, one dollar more. I mean, that's our dissatisfied state. Our, our fallen state, our sinful state is always discontent. But the sheep in the shepherd's flock have the luxury of knowing and experiencing true contentment. I shall not want. I've got everything. I got the shepherd. So today I want to talk a little bit about how we can be a little bit more sheepish. How we can be a little bit more sheepish in our approach to contentment. And I'm going to suggest three simple ways to develop a I shall not want lifestyle. And then believe it or not, I'm going to give you some homework. In fact, I'm going to give you homework every week for six weeks. That'll be fun. Particularly if I have to check it and grade it. Here's the first thing I want you to know. Look at what you have, not what you don't have. You know, when some people look at their lives, they only see what's not there. I don't have a husband, don't have a wife, don't have a boyfriend, don't have a girlfriend, don't have a degree, don't own a home, don't have a job, don't have a job title. All they see is what they don't have. A couple of years ago when Nancy was up in Illinois visiting her folks, I had taken my grandson Joshua down to Louisiana State Prison in Angola. We got back. We went to go rent some DVDs. I realized I didn't have a DVD player, so we went and bought a little portable DVD player. Brought it back to the house, and um, my grandson Josh was hooking up the DVD player. And as he's doing it, he says, you know something, Grandpa? You could run a cable here and connect this to your stereo, and you would get a whole lot better sound. And he was right, and he hooked it up. Well, a few weeks later, somebody else happened to be over at the house, and I showed them this new little setup of hooking a DVD player in the sound system and everything. He said, well, yeah, that's okay. It's not really surround sound, but I guess it's okay with you. I mean, what you really need are, you know, two big honking speakers and a woofer and a barker and a bleeder and I don't know what else, and, and, you, and you need to put them up against the wall and blah de blah de blah And by this time, I stopped listening completely. I was not ready to be 
discontent. I mean, the old system was fine. I was just happy to watch a DVD. And the new system that Josh hooked up was okay. I wanted to enjoy it without noticing all of the faults and limitations. You know, I, I thought, I don't want to be watching, you know, Nebraska beat up on Texas, thinking to myself, what I, did you get that, Miss Helen? I know you did. What I really need is a bigger television, a bigger screen, and I need bigger speakers. But then this room wouldn't be big enough. And so what I need is a bigger house. Now, that's why I say, focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Enjoy things for what they are instead of seeing them for what they aren't. That habit will take you a long way towards being content. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Here's the second thing. Measure your life in terms of blessings, not possessions. There's a man who showed up in his pastor's office for counseling. Man said, oh, man, pastor, I've lost everything. Pastor said, wow, I'm sorry to hear you lost your faith. No, the man said, I, I still got my faith. Pastor says, oh, well, then I'm, I'm sorry to hear you've lost your character. Man said, I never said that. I still have my character. Pastor said, well, then I'm really sorry to hear that you've lost your salvation. Man said, that's not what I said. I didn't lose my salvation. The pastor said, so, <clears throat> see if I got this right. You have your faith, you have your character, and you have your salvation. It seems to me that you haven't lost anything that really matters. But see, when we look at all this stuff in the world, that we've accumulated. I mean, some of us have done better at accumulating stuff than other people, no doubt about it. But it cannot replace the intangible blessings of life. Jesus said this in Luke 12, life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. See, I'd encourage you just to, to look around and see the life that the great shepherd has blessed you with for the presence of intangible things in your life, like relationships, good friends, Love, happiness, you know, the ability to listen to great music, uh, the ability to read good books. I mean, these are the things that you can't put on a balance sheet. You can't put them on a profit and loss statement, but they are things that add meaning to your life every day. Some of you may remember an old hymn. I guess it was a hymn. I don't know if it's a hymn or just a song, but it was called Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One, Count Your Many Blessings, See What God Has Done. That's a good habit. It's a habit that teaches us what I have in God, what I have in the Good Shepherd, far surpasses anything I don't have in this world. Here's the third thing. What you really need will come when you really need it. Now, I'm going to tell you what I've learned in life. I don't always get as much as I want, but I always get as much as I need. There have been times in my life when I have almost demanded things from God, where I've literally shouted at him in a time of prayer. I've demanded things from him in terms of my health, in terms of my finances, in terms of ministry, in terms of family. I did it at the times I thought I knew what I wanted. I thought I knew what I needed, and my prayers weren't answered the way I expected those prayers to be answered. 
But you know, when I backed away, and they, often, they say sometimes life is best viewed through what? A rear view mirror. Sometime in the aftermath of those missed expectations, I was able to see the hand of God taking care of me, providing what was best for me rather than what I thought was most expedient. You know, the wonderful thing about being a sheep living in the kingdom of the good shepherd is the privilege of bringing all of our cares to God. We have the privilege to ask for anything and everything, and we have the comfort of knowing that he'll filter through our prayers and give us only what is best for us. I mean, this is one of the best things about having a shepherd. You don't have to sweat the small details in life. And guess what? All the details in life, according to God, would be small. What you need will come when you need it. And remember, there's a difference between being shepherd-led and spoon-fed. You know, saying the Lord is my shepherd doesn't mean you just kind of back up and sit in the heavenly high chair the rest of life and say, feed me, feed me, feed me. Instead, it means that you live day by day with the confidence that God actually watches out for you and that he will provide you with what you need in the hour that you need it. Now, I promised you some homework. Here it is. It'll only take you about five minutes a day, but it'll help keep this message of Psalm 23 in your life. You just kind of need a, a small piece of paper, a notebook, or you know, you can even take your bulletin that you, you wrote notes on. I think there was an outline there. In fact, it's on page nine. But, but here's your assignment for next week. Memorize verse one. You think you can do that one? Let's see if I close my, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Did I get that right? Jason, you could even do that one. I think so. That's so all I'm asking. Memorize verse one. Now, I got to tell you, I, I kind of stole the idea from, for this message from two people. Kara Bradshaw, giving her a hard time, she's raised his sheep. And I think it was Rain Cranfield who told me, Pastor, you kind of got me one time about not memorizing. And Wayne, what did you memorize? The 23rd Psalm. Wayne can do it. Wayne will be our model. <laughs> you can do that. In fact, as you, you can, can, you say, you know, can you close your eyes right now? Let's all say it together. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. So you guys are ahead of the game. Now, during the course of this week, you keep saying it over and over. Whatever you think about it. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, here's number two. Each day, say thanks for three possessions. Three possessions. Three material things. You can write them down. Let me give you some examples of material things. My car gets me to work. That's a material possession. I thank God that my car gets me to work. Um, my recliner is comfortable. Yeah, it's not, I'm not talking brain surgery here. It's just, you know, material stuff you can say thankful for. Uh, you know, I could even say my computer runs slow sometimes, but it still gets me there. You know, it's a whatever. Number three, count your blessings. List three intangible blessings each day. Now, intangible, these are the blessings that God has placed in your life that you can't buy or sell. Let me give you some examples. My wife is a great cook. My daughter has a beautiful smile. 
it's a sunny day. Well, I guess I could say not quite yet, but you know, I could say that's an intangible gift. You think about intangible. Then start a prayer list. This is a little bit more difficult. Keep a prayer list of your needs and go to it every day. I mean, just sit down and write what you need. I have no idea what you need. I, I, I sometimes don't know what I need. And then make those needs a matter of prayer. But when you pray, don't go to God and say, I need this, 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 this. Remember, the better way, write down your needs, be honest. But then maybe you're going to pray, God, I will not worry about this stuff on the list. I present this list of my needs to you. If I really need it, and it's the best thing for me, I know you will provide. Otherwise, I can learn to live without it. I can learn to make do. Got that? Homework. The Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. There is no need for you to live your life in anything less than the fullness of his peace because he is the good shepherd. He is looking after you. Let's stand for our closing blessing and our closing song.